The Parent Show is sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. And welcome to the Parents Show this evening on 92.6 FM. I'm Cathy Weston and tonight... Uh, we are talking about really preparing our families as best we can, just in the eventuality of of tragedy, of bereavement, of loss that perhaps is very, very unanticipated, and just making sure we're doing everything we can to really future-proof uh, our, our, our children and, our, and insulate our families from any legal or financial distress that could come post-bereavement. So we've got a very fascinating show lined up for you with some real experts. We, As you all know, The Parent Show is sponsored by Neve Solicitors and they have offices in lots of different places, one in Harpenden. And we have Nina Gura, who's here this evening, who's going to be talking to us about all, all the legal questions, all the questions you've ever wanted to ask about wills and power of attorney and all the things maybe we don't want to think about too much. But as Nina will express, it's really important that we pull our heads out of the sand and get get sensible. After all, it is February. It's the start of the year. We all need to have some really good resolutions in this regard. So we're just going to play a little tune. Uh, we are family by Sister Sledge, of course, and then we'll be back with Nina Gura. And that was Sister Sledge. We are family. And that's what we're all about on The Parent Show is providing you with expert advice uh, about all the things that are so close to your heart when we're raising um, children and families. So we've got a packed lineup. We've got uh, Nina Gura from Neve Solicitors, who's in the studio with us, who is a lawyer specialist, solicitor specialising in wills and power of attorney and all these big legal phrases <laughs> that we'll ask her about in a moment. And later on, in the latter half of the show, we're going to be speaking to Dr. Shelley Gilbert, and she's from the charity Grief Encounter, because, of course, where there is the death of a parent, um, of course, there will come bereavement, and in particular, children's grief and bereavement. And we want to really highlight uh, many of the um, uh, charities and organisations that could really help children move through the process of grief. So welcome to the studio, Nina. Good evening. Thank How you for having you? me here. Great. Thank you. Yes, you're very welcome. And just for our listeners, I'm just going to introduce uh, a little bit about you. You were admitted as a solicitor in t- 2007 and you've been working mainly in the private client department. That's correct. Uh, I, I practice uh, for three years as a criminal solicitor, but then children came along. They were sort of convenient. So I'm a mother. I've got two daughters. So I completely understand the parenting issues and the um, issues that face uh, parents and families with children. And you're based in Harpenden, in the Neves, uh, the bottom of Sun Lane, isn't it, in uh, that particular correct. office? So, as you know, Harpenden and St. Dolmans are filled with families with young children. Yes. And the topic of wills is something probably couples talk about a lot, but don't re- it's not really top of the to-do list, Nina. Should it be? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I I do apologize. Something that I might say tonight might be a little bit upsetting. We'll be talking about bereavement. We'll be talking about loss of mental capacity. 
However, they are vital, very, very, very important issues that we will need to address uh, as parents, as siblings, as uh, grandparents, uh, vital, vital issues. I'm very uh, thankful that I was given this opportunity to share uh, my thoughts with you and well, your listeners. Well, let's talk, for example, let's just take the, 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 the you know, the example of a, a living, a couple who are married and living together and everything's fine. Nothing has happened. What is your advice for them in that circumstance? What should they take care of? Life is unpredictable. Um, we don't know what's around the corner. Um, death, it's... Um, it might happen to anyone. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. But it might happen. Um, very, very important we think about what would happen after um, that tragic event. Um, how I view the wills, the starting point of everybody thinking about making a will, it's not death, it's love. You make a will because you love somebody you love your child, you love your husband, you love your brother and sister, especially you love your children. You want to make sure that if something was to happen to you, those very, very close and valuable people um, in your life are well cared for. And that's why you make the will, because you love. Um, very important with parents, with young kids, is to think, would look after that child if something was to happen to me you go out for a meal you book a babysitter you go on holiday for a week you get grandparents to look after so you make provisions during your lifetime for short periods of time what about if tragically you are not around to see those children grow up you can change it you can make sure that you appoint somebody you know that will look after your child's best interests and you have got that option. And we do that by appointing a guardian. So a guardian, it's a person that a parent can appoint in the will to look after that child until he's 18 or she's 18 years of age and they will take your place. But that's a choice that you make. And the question you might ask is, oh, I didn't listen to Nina or Kathy and I didn't appoint a guardian, then what? then it's the courts and the social services who will make those decisions. Which is terribly complex it's, it's, and costly. And, and also families. I can mm -hmm. visualize my mother and my mother-in-law arguing who looks after my uh, teenage daughter. Well, well, let's backtrack again. If you're a married couple and everything is fine at the moment, is it the case you need to make one will? Or would I have to make a separate will with my own wishes in it that you have to sort of entrust or share sure, with your partner? Sure. I mean, normally a, a married couple will make mirror wills. So right. it's always two wills. Um, the husband and wife or uh, two partners will make mirror wills to say they appoint each other as executors of their wills and then they gift everything to each other and then to the children in equal shares. The guardianship appointment is relevant on second death. If somebody, if no one has got parental responsibility. Um, so if both parents are deceased, are deceased then the guardian... Then it is extremely important that whilst I'm still alive, my husband's still alive, that we appoint a guardian in case something happens to Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And both wills should have a guardianship appointment in case something was to happen to both of you at the same time. 
or you know you have no time you lose the mental capacity to change the right. you and that's know guardianship so that's, so that's the guardianship. very very different to the power of attorney which absolutely we'll yeah do i have to tell my poor friend that i want her to be the guardian of my children <laughs> yes yes you yes. have to you have to ask yes you have to, you yeah. have to it, it's it's many reasons of course you have to ask as i say i i i thought um, it's my mother or mother-in-law sometimes can be a friend can be somebody who knows the child well and somebody you trust and also you have to think about that person is taking your role so you want to tell them that if something was to happen to you then you want specific uh, wishes mm. to be carried out and can you, trust, be, you have to trust the guardian to absolutely see absolutely you wouldn't trust your kids you know to they will take your place is it often the case that people appoint guardians who aren't their best friends, but it might be their accountant or someone else? No, no, it's no. Always the guardian is something close. It's something personal mm-hmm. who knows you well, who knows the child well, and you trust that they will follow your wishes. Can be a sibling, can be a parent, wow. can be a best friend. Um, but as I say, it's important to discuss with the guardian what your wishes are. You know, you might want your child to be privately educated or go to a state school. You want the child to um, to be brought up a Christian or non-religious. And you talk to them about um, right, your right. wishes, thinking, as I said, they will be taking your place. How do you intertwine the financial with that question of the emotional? You know, you go and ask your best friend to be the guardian of your children if anything happens to you and your husband, but they might live in a, in my case, my best friend lives in Belfast, so how would I ensure that the financial, the mortgage, everything, where does that all land in the will? Yes, I'm happy you asked that question. Um, in the will, we a part of the guardians, we appoint executors and trustees. So the executor and trustees are again trusted people that would look after the money. So the guardian will look after the child. Right. And the um, the trustee will look after the money. And they've got two different roles. And in my wills, I try and keep the roles separate. Because you see that the trustees will be the one with the funds and will mm-hmm. advance the funds mm-hmm. to the guardian based on their requests. And they can make decisions uh, on, on those um requests. I, I always laugh at my clients and say, if the guardian says I'm going to buy a Ferrari for this 18, you know, 16 or 17 years old, sometimes we increase the age of children to inherit, the the trustees will say no yeah. <laughs> because uh, um, a, a jag or uh, it's not vital for the child. However, if the guardian goes and says, I'll need some money for an operation, for health, for uh, schooling, then the trustees will advance that money and will be used in the child's best interest. In general, who are the trustees? Who should I um, appoint to be in that particular role? Because that sounds like you have to be quite financially savvy to be a good uh, trustee. Absolutely. I mean, you can have up to four trustees. Um, You can have a sibling, can be a trustee, can be... um, a, a relative can be a friend, but can be a professional. So it can be leave solicitors, a partners can be trustees, an accountant can be a trustee. It has be it has to be somebody you trust, um, and and financially savvy, as you say. And and in the case of the trustees, again, you have to seek their permission to name them as trustees. Is that correct? It's always good advice for people to know that they are named executors. 
and trustees. They don't need to know what's in the will. Mm-hmm. They need to know that you have made a will, you have appointed them as trustees and executors, and where the will is kept. Okay, so, so I'm they've clear got on that. I would go and see you, Nina. I would t- I would have mirror will with my husband, with my own provision in mine and his and his, and then we would have a trustees for our will and a guardian nominated. Absolutely, and then we'd be in a good position, and you'll be in a much better place. Gosh, I really <laughs> need to sort this out. <laughs> right. Um, I'd like to ask about, um, we do have many parents locally, as you know, who have been very sadly bereaved in recent mm. times. Um, for parents listening who have us very sadly just been through that experience mm. and perhaps their um, deceased spouse had their own will, etc. What would you advise to a single parent in this position with multiple children? What needs to happen? What do they need to think about when it comes to the childcare, the administration of day-to-day life in terms of legally? What could they do to protect themselves? Um, It's important they review their will. It's highly likely that the deceased spouse was an executor of their will and the beneficiary of the will. Um, So they will need to appoint... Sometimes we do put replacement um, executors and trustees in place. However, after that sort of tragedy, I would recommend they do review the terms of the will. Um, So they need to look at their own will and start afresh, really, and just make sure other provisions are in place for their children. Yes, as I say, the, the wills normally are mirror, so the wife's will... It depends, you know, from family to family, from circumstances to circumstances. But you got an example of a couple that they had this mirror will. The will would say, I appoint my wife as an executor of my will and I give her all my estate. On her demise, then it goes to the children. And then we even go further down to a disaster situation that you are not survived by children um, and um, grandchildren. So... Depends on the guardian, on the circumstances. circumstances. So, you know, at some point, Mm -hmm. they need to look at the will and And look at the provisions. We've had a lovely question submitted. So, if one parent passes away, can you put a stop in the new will for the children to be separated so that all stay, not to be separated, so they stay together? So if that's the concern of the li- of the parent who's living, that they would worry that in the case if they have multiple children, if anything happens to them, the children might end up separated. And if your guardians don't want to look after the children, it might go to tribunal. How can you stop them being split up? So that's a very natural anxiety, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I have to say I'm a private client solicitor, so I do Wilson probate and I will deal with that, that context. Um, it's important that you talk to the guardian and you explain to the guardian what your wishes are. And you would hope the guardian that you have chosen to look after your kids and to take your place will follow your wishes. Sometimes it's, it's very difficult. Um, say you, you, your guardian is in Belfast and you might want the child to be brought up in England, which means that the guardian from Belfast will have to come and live in England with the children. And sometimes that might not be possible. The only way of challenging a guardian's decision is to go through courts. And, right. you know, so, so I'm not the right is you have to, to assign someone that you really You really, trust. really trust. And that somebody who would take that further step to look after your children. Um, yeah. Keeping them together. Yes. See, we normally say to the parents to do a letter. 
So if they can write a letter to explain to the guardian what the wishes are, you know, things like kept, children to be kept together don't normally go in the will, but they can do a letter. And I've had, you know, cases with three or four pages letters that the parents written to say, my wish is for the child to be brought up in England, um, for the child to be kept in touch with their relatives um, as I say privately schooled or not privately schooled so those sort of um, things you can put them in the letter and they will really really help the guardian when the time comes to make those decisions what's the best in the best interest of the child so it's really about what are your values are they that you want your values on paper your beliefs your yes. your wishes your yes. dreams and, and that you will hope be that the really guardian... helpful for the child as well as for the guardian yeah. so it's very very clear yes. so um, in terms of unmarried couples in the position that I've described is the situation the same if you're cohabiting at the moment with children what is your advice in terms of will making? The, the, the wills remain the same. Um, you will need to have a will in place to make sure that the children are looked after legally by appointing a, a legal guardian. You don't want to leave it to the social services and courts and family members start arguing who looks after the child. You make the decision um, and also uh, financially providing for them. Uh, and we are talking in simple situations but um, during my many years you know I'd say that the starting point it, it's love you love that person and you have to make sure that you have done all you can can be a, you have a child with special needs and that child with special needs would benefit from a different sort of the will it's no point you know providing giving 500,000 pounds when you know the child's not going to be able to um, mm. administer or, or have that money so you have to make sure that you have got a trustee in place will be looking not until the age of 18 not until the age of 25 because some clients would like 25 that's a nice age for a child to inherit or 21 but for the rest of that child's life so you make sure you've got a, a trustee in place who is trusted to look after that child's best interest um say we, we're talking about children, we are talking about, you know, the guardian. But one important part that people always want to, or, or most of the time would like to put in the will, is funeral. Talking about your funeral wishes. That's another uh, subject which is difficult to discuss, but makes life easy for your loved ones. So they know what your wishes are. I mean, I found a, a quote from the Gazette when this gentleman he lost his wife and he said devastated by grief not really thinking straight i was so grateful that she had written down what she wanted to do with her money and possessions so that's the will he's telling you exactly what i want you to do with my money and my possession and had given clear instructions about what should be done with her ashes so we've got a grieving family having to deal with the, the grief but helping them and that's where you know love and death go together you know you love the family so you want to make sure that things are easily you know done and, and on, on your demise if you've ever been through the administration after a loved one oh, dies have. it yes. is quite something 
and having the not having to worry about choice of music yes. at a ceremony or what to do with the ashes or absolutely. what to do with their clothing etc yes. is 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 quite a helpful relief isn't oh, it oh absolutely it assists a lot and what else i did put in my notes when i was thinking about wills it's important to have wills in place because it's control you control the fate of what happened after you die this is your hard earned money might be your parents money they worked very hard about it you would like to make the decision not the government not the courts not the judges you decide who gets what and that is very important for, yeah, it's about you control know, it's about love it's about as much as you can protection, protection. i mean you protect so Nina, a really common question I'm sure you get asked all the time is, oh, but I, I picked up a will in WH Smith, I filled it in, I've had it, I have my neighbour sign it, you know, witness it. Is that not good enough? I think it is a common perception that that is good enough. What's your view on that? No, definitely not. It's a simple thing that might cause uh, issues in the future. You might have missed um you might have one witness instead of two you probably forgot to put the name of the beneficiary whilst you're completing the form you don't go deep enough they say when we do the wills we talk in in a, in a normal family circumstances we always go further down in a disaster situation what would happen you've got an estate of over two million you're giving everything to your wife then to your children then to your grandchildren what would happen in a plane crash mm. where does this two million go you have lost that control because you've just stopped there so now i think for the sake of spending some money now you save a lot of heartache and headaches in the future and a lot of people ask how much is it how much is I mean, it, it to, 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 to write a will with sure for legal the, help yeah for a simple will for us is 275 plus the vat um, and that will include a consultation with a solicitor, a drafting of your will, witnessing your will, making sure that it's witnessed in the correct order. And then we offer free storage um, of the of the will. And, and that's that's for one simple will. For two, it's 400 plus a VAT. Uh, and then it's for, okay, for, for so a married couple. So it's. It's argu- arguably very affordable for, for people to I've at least had save to deal, Yes, I had to deal with cases that, as you said, uh, W. Smith will was used. Uh, the names, uh, there was an error and it took, it's over £6,000 to rectify it through the courts. And I, so it's not a sale exercise, but no, I don't but think. Like, why would yeah. you do something poorly when you could have not proper, worth it? And what about people who say, "Well, I've got nothing to give away. You know, I don't own my home. I haven't got much, um, many chattels or you know, yeah. belongings and yes. things." What would you say to them? I would say that maybe not money, but they've got financial value. They've got emotional value, and that emotional value can be priceless for some people. So if you decide, you know, that it it doesn't matter, you you can say, I would like my daughter or my son to have this painting or this. And for that daughter and son, when they receive that item, it doesn't matter that that item is a thousand pounds or ten thousand pounds or or a hundred. It's got a sentimental value. So uh, I, I, I think it's, it's good to have something in place, even to cover. I always, you know, think about this lady I had and she had this statue and she and very little money. But she wanted that statue to go to 
her daughter and not the sister. <laughs> and I said, okay, your daughter is getting everything. So I'm putting in the will that your daughter is having. I said, no, 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 I won't specifically put in, your, in the will that the daughter should get the statute. Um, and I did, of course. And said, of course, you know, we can put it in. And she was happy. And, that and she felt better. Put a better. smile in her face, exactly. Yeah. And the daughter then got the statues. So I make sure after this uh, you went lady passed check away, me, I you? went and checked, <laughs> yes. I made sure that the daughter got the statute. So what about, we've talked about wills. What about power of attorney? Now, what does that actually mean? This, this is nothing to do with wills. This is if something happens to me in in my life. Yes, it's it's completely different um, legal document. Um, they were introduced in 2007. There are two power of attorneys. One, it's property and finance power of attorney. It's during your lifetime, it terminates on death. So on death, you haven't got a power of attorney anymore. You appoint attorneys, um, people that you trust, can be your son, your daughter, your brother or sister, can be your accountant or your solicitor to look after your money if you were to lose the mental capacity. And that means through things like it dementia, me- being in a coma. We always, yeah, we always think dementia and Alzheimer's, but it can be a stroke and can, you know, can be in a coma. I've had clients who are relatively young, you know, with dementia and Alzheimer's, you might have some warning signs. A stroke can attack anyone at any time. So 25, had- 30, they wouldn't. So if I assigned power of attorney now, even though I'm married, that would mean that person would sort of look out for my interests independently. Yes, I mean, the power of attorney can be your husband. Right. right. Um, so someone who, if, it, if I'm in a coma, they can represent my interests. Th- yeah, I mean, they will access your bank accounts. And I always stress to my clients that it is a very, very, very powerful document. If there's any doubt in their mind about attorneys, they shouldn't be appointing attorneys. So if I say, okay, have you got somebody in mind? And they think, I said, that's not good enough. So they have to <laughs> you know, absolutely, you have to trust, absolutely trust attorneys. Right. Uh, it doesn't mean if you do this power of attorneys, it doesn't mean that the attorney will take control. They are there just in case. And the power of attorney the, or the attorney can then act on your Um, behalf if you ask them to sometimes an elderly lady doesn't want to pay the bills anymore doesn't want to deal with internet banking and then she'll say to the attorney you can take over they have to be really trustworthy yes in in loss of mental capacity Um, and and health and welfare sorry kathy health and welfare is slightly more it's different but the health and welfare it's life sustaining treatment so they can terminate life um sustaining you know, life support machine, switch it off, but uh, and and health and care issues. But you must have lost the mental capacity for the attorney to take over. How do I appoint a power of attorney? Is do I just make an appointment and say, Nina, I'd like to make, I'd like to appoint some powers of attorney, or what do I actually <laughs> go about that? Yeah, I mean, you come and see us, and we talk about your financial circumstances your family circumstances and exactly this sort of conversation you know who would you trust with your money and your life with your care and once you tell me who you you've made the decision and it's a learned decision then we complete the power of attorneys we sign we assist you with putting wishes and instructions in the power of attorney we sign 
uh, we register them for you with the Office of the Public Guardian and then they go in our safe, hopefully stay there forever. And it's not needed unless it's necessary. But if it's necessary, it's a good thing to have in place. Also, a quick question that's been submitted about tax allowances. So if if a spouse dies, do his tax allowances automatically pass to his married living Yes, I mean, it depends on what the provisions of the will are, of course. So if the will says that I give everything to my husband or my wife, there is no inheritance tax to pay. Right. You can give your husband or wife millions and there is no tax. However, if uh, on second death, if everything went from one spouse to the other, the estate can have a transferable Neil Red Band, we call it, which is currently 650,000. And another question, can you have multiple powers of attorney? Multiple people in yes, that Yes, absolutely. You right. can have four power of attorneys. Is that the maximum? Not the will. Mm. Oh, on the power of attorney. Just the power of so attorney. So on the power of attorney, yeah. you can have most of cases with husband and wife. Well, I would probably have the husband as a sole attorney and the kids as a replacement attorney or the husband and the kids or the wife and the kids as replacement attorneys Mm. and they all act jointly and severely but we 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 talk we talk in details when when we do the good thing is it's reassuring that you would actually i don't have to have all the answers going to see you you guide me as to what i should be thinking about yes uh, both in both cases in wills and power of attorneys we as i say we'll look at your financial circumstances we look at your um family circumstances and we look at what things can go right and what's, when things can go wrong, and this is where you need us when Absolutely. things go wrong. So, Nina, listen, I've let you talk for 35 minutes. We're going to have a little break, hopefully, okay. and maybe even a little tune. And I'm hoping to continue the conversation after the break. And also, we're hoping to speak to um, Dr. Shelley Gilbert from, I'm sure you know many, many charities, Nina, that help children Absolutely. with grief and bereavement. Yes. And she represents Grief Encounter. So, she's calling us from New York around in a in a couple of minutes we hope so stay tuned thank you so much two great programs with len jones on sunday evening big band show at six on this evening's big band show count basie jimmy dorsey artie shaw and more and the jazz hour at seven coming up on this evening's jazz hour billy holiday jerry mulligan Carmen McRae and more. Len Jones on Sunday evenings with the Big Band Show at 6 and the Jazz Hour at 7 on 92.6 FM Radio Verona. Hello, we're just going to see if Dr Gilbert is on the phone. Are you there? Shall I am. Wow. And which part of America are you phoning from this evening, Dr Gilbert? Oh, we're in the beautiful um, Florida sunshine. Oh my goodness, that is uh, uh, that is very hard to take when you're in very uh, cold St Albans in Hertfordshire. But you're very welcome onto the show, um, Dr. Shelley Gilbert, and you represent Thank you. grief. And we've been talking this evening about uh, with a solicitor, Nina Gura from Neve Solicitors, about the sort of wills and preparing our families and future proofing. So we wanted to bring you into the conversation because, of course, as you and Nina know, there's an, an, a, a, a dreadful emotional toll on children who experience bereavement. And we just wanted to highlight the work that you do in Grief Encounter. Thank you. Um, yes, indeed. Um, the, the huge emotional impact. But um, as a society... Um, and we've been lucky enough to be brought up in the, probably the longest peacetime of our history. But 
um, we still um, are in our death denial. And, you know, as you said and as Nina said, you know, we're not great at preparing for the inevitable. And having experienced it myself with my own parents, had not the legal stuff been put into place, um, I'm not sure where I'd be. And Shelley, what happened to you at a young age? You lost a parent at a young age. Yeah, um, both parents. I was orphaned by the time I was nine um, and taken away from both the funeral rites. I never had a chance to say goodbye, nor had a chance to be the one to grieve. And adults are very easily fooled. And, um, you know, they, it, it seemed to everyone like I was fine. I had a happy smile, a happy disposition, educationally achieved a lot. Lots of friends, um, and, and as ostensibly happy, but um, nobody addressed the dark side. Um, and in my work at Grief Encounter, um, I've been privileged enough to meet a lot of people um, who've been through what I what I went through, and the same myths are repeated time and time again. Um, nobody asks them as kids and they all say everybody says I just wish grief encounter was around when I was young and I say well what would have been different and they said well it would have been different um in the sense of at least somebody asked me from my point of view and not pretended that everything was okay because of course it's not well, Shelley, can um, I just can I just interrupt you because locally we've had so many um, situations where young children have been bereaved, and I I know those parents. Some of those parents are, are some parents are listening this evening who've been recently bereaved. What advice do you can you give them about the sort of the aftermath in the immediate? What is the best advice for you know a mum listening who's just lost her husband, a father who's grieving and has met many children in the, in this in this in, in this period after the death of their partner? How can grief encounter help, and what advice can you give them so that they can support their children optimally? Uh, in a few sentences, <laughs> um, that uh, actually. Um, your listeners will be local enough to access our services at Grief Encounter. So that will be number one. Um, for those not able to access our services, I can only express my sadness because there was um, a, a very, very good service through St Albans for uh, counselling service and my colleague um, Anna Draper. But funding ran out. So yes, which is a, a challenge week. everywhere, isn't it? It's a challenge everywhere, and um, you know. So one thing they can do is get on, get on my soapbox, or get on their own soapbox. Um, if our bereaved families don't have a voice, um, if the bereaved kids themselves don't have a voice, we really don't have a chance. And I know, um, I know that a Grief Encounter has a hotline. I know you support over 400 bereaved children every week, solely relying on donations. You've got a unique e-counselling service helping young yeah, people. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the ad. Yeah, 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 yeah. And our strength is getting kids together, I think, or bereaved families together. You know, we do it in fun ways as well. You know, we just have an away day. Um, we have a residential camp 
Um, I mean, I read about the residential camp, Shelley. It just sounds amazing hmm. for children to experience, oh, um, to go to a residential camp with other children who are also grieving is so important. Thanks, yeah. And, and, you know, there's often words exchanged or no words exchanged, looks and glances, and just being. Um, and just it, it enables the kids and the families too um, to just um, be in an environment where they probably forget for a little while I, I wouldn't say forget actually sorry I'll, let me correct myself um, where they don't have to actually be different um, and what happens uh, I, I just sort of you know certain kids stand out in your mind and one kid said to me quite recently Oh, I heard somebody laugh, they said. And I looked round and I realised it was me. It's the first time I've laughed since Dad died. Oh, that's so um, sad. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, sad, happy. Um, yeah. I think you, um, you, you also offer grief relief kits, you know, because you've got a whole clinical team that it involves children in memory making, in art, in create, creative arts. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, as with Maury Lippman, you know, as long as I'm in charge, we're going to offer any kind of appy that's with our family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody agrees differently in my experience, but there are common themes. And what we don't access uh, or we don't have access to is the language of grief. You know, quite often... You know, somebody might ask a child, well, how are you? And our vocabulary to reply is so limited, isn't it? Um, you know, how do you explain how deep your sadness is or how long you've been grieving and how do we measure grief? Um, there's, some there's a beautiful quote from the little print um, where it says, grown-ups always want to hear the answers in numbers. You know, how old are you, who died, that kind of thing, how long. Um, but never really, really go any deeper or attach any emotional well-being to that. And it's understandable, you know, it's very scary even for a teacher to ask a grieving child how they are. And often people don't feel equipped to do it, but they, they know they should. But I think those, just as you've suggested, even from your own experience, it's just about listening and not being afraid to talk about the person who has died and how sad we yes. feel. And, and it, it is a yeah. process, grief. It is a process. So, yeah, thank you. Um, for adding in the time element, um, and that's what we're not great at in in, in the UK. Um, you know, we we're pretty good at the early uh, early stages. You know, with the chicken soup and the food and the rotors and the going to school rotors and trying to establish some kind of normal routine. But it, what we hear from our families is it's six months on. When I don't quote me on six months, <laughs> uh, around that time, it might be the day on, it might be a year on, um, but you know, sometime after, when everybody else's life has got, when everybody else's life has got back to normal, and the world feels, it feels to you like the world carries on turning, but yours hasn't. 
you're you know a totally different world planet grief um all, and all you can do is stay afloat and or stop yourself from drowning so we say um to other people listen hear help you know listen properly use your active listening skills um hear what what people are saying to you choose your time carefully um you know it might not be appropriate but just to acknowledge how you know just to ask the question how are you today rather than how are you um that that's helpful because sometimes all you can do is get through the day and it's it's a, it's a very intuitive process, isn't it? You have to judge if your friend is feeling that they want to talk about it. Perhaps they don't want to think about it. And with children as well, often children are very good actually at giving you a cue as to whether they want. They might bring it up very softly and wait for the response. Um, so, so Shelley, just to recap, and um, people can. I know there are many national bereavement charities that are very important for families to plug into, but Grief Encounter is something that you have a, you know, they can ring you up, any bereaved parent, and get help and advice on the process of grief and what it looks like in children. And you can signpost as well to other resources, can't you? Um, thank you. You're my best PR person, actually. I hope <laughs> hope some of my team aren't listening but yeah absolutely exactly beautifully put beautifully put and you know as long as I'm um, involved you know I just encourage everyone to have a yes we can do attitude and uh, not no we can't and that goes from the littlest of kids right through to our trustees um you know, yeah, we can, you know, it, maybe this won't fit at this moment in time, but maybe something else will. And we don't allow a victim mentality. You know, it's kind of, well, you can sink or swim. Um, it's not about poor me or why has this happened to me? I mean, it's fine to ask the question, why has this happened to me? But my answer would be, well, why not? And also what you're making, I'm sure many listeners realise, is that there's a whole community of of parents who've lost their partner and they need to tune into that community because it's one where they'll be understood and they'll receive a lot of compassion and support and and positivity absolutely and it's not a failure is it to ask for help um, i see it as a strength and you know, being part of their support system and some people have got amazing family and friends but they worry about upsetting their family and friends or not being able to go to those deep, dark places. Um, and also, we do, sh- we bereaved share a very um, dark sense of humour. Um, and that sometimes, you know, really, really gets us through. And I think if you're not having, if you haven't gone through it yourself, I think that humour is very hard to share and very hard to understand. That's right. I mean, I'm going to bring in Nina Gura, who's a solicitor present in the studio at this point. Nina, how do you, as a lawyer, do you sort of have to deal with the emotions of death in in your job? I mean, it, people have a vision of a lawyer as kind of just dealing with the paperwork, but no, you must it's deal much with, more. Yeah, there must be so more. many people coming in. Absolutely. Upset I mean, I always remember I I um, worked with Mary Curie Cancer Research, um, and I always thought to myself what do I tell this 
lady. I will make her will. I'll try and put everything her wishes. But what can I say to her? I can't say to her, get better, because I know. And then I spoke to um, one of the vicars. I said, what do you say? And he said, I say nothing. I sit down and I listen and what the doctor was saying. And it always stays with me, you know, by being able to sit there and listen half an hour, an hour to the life story will make that person happy. And I always say, as private client solicitors, wills and probate, you cannot take your emotions out of it. Out of it. You know, as I say, I've had a, a very sad case. For me, it was very sad, but I helped that lady choose a coffin. Mm-hmm. And she was happy, you know, she wanted, a, you know, a coffin with, I can't remember with, I think it was with um, uh, clouds. <laughs> and, and she, yeah, the, the yeah. smile in her face made my job so rewarding. And of course, I did the legal side, you know, I did the will, I made sure that everything was there. But we always have to go that extra mile. But it Um, makes me think, you know, know, it's really important. Imagine having a sunny person like Nina to go and chat to about all your darkest, (laughs) you know, wishes. And then on the other side, you have someone like Shelley who's saying, let's be resilient, positive, Mm -hmm. let's move forward, but move forward together. That you're not alone when you grieve and you've lost your, your, uh, you know, your your children's, um, uh, you know, mother or father. But we do appreciate, you know, it's hard time for families. So we always be... You know, we, we, we will work with the families. We understand how difficult it is to lose somebody. I mean, I've lost my dad five years ago. It feels like yesterday and put everything into perspective for me because yeah. I was so close to him. So I completely understand. And that's where, you know, as, your uh, compassion comes uh, as from. Private, uh, yeah, we go a little bit further than yeah. just a lawyer. <laughs> that's I right. Really, with uh, a suit. <laughs> I wish we had listeners like you um, because... Um, you know, as a kid, I, I was involved a lot with solicitors for obvious reasons. Uh, and when it came to making our own, my husband and I making our own wills, um, I absolutely could not deal with it. I had a panic mm. attack after panic attack because these memories all flooded back yes. where um, grown-ups were sitting talking about the worst possible thing that could happen to me, to a child... Um, in front of me without that understanding mm. and that compassion and that empathy. So, you know, what could go wrong? A lot went wrong in my life, but... Uh, sorry, a lot went very right in my life, but one of those things was, you know, not having... We don't want the sympathy. We don't want the pity. We do want the empathy. Yeah. Absolutely, and understanding. And Shelley, just to direct people, your website, I think it's www.griefencounter... Is it .org? Yeah. Yeah, good. So we can direct people to that. It's full of, I think it was um, recently Rio Ferdinand, the footballer. Did he, he accessed yeah. sort of lots of bereavement, help from bereavement charities such yeah. as yours. And yeah. that was amazing because it really helped, I think, yeah. a lot of grieving fathers in, in his position. Yes. And our ambassador, Jeff Brazier and Benbrook Dutton, you know, it's when men speak out it, it's really helpful uh, well, and especially someone like Rio you know a, a sort of a big man and um, he also you know has found a new partner but he still you know is quite honest and open about the kids and what did go wrong and what can still go wrong 
That's right. He's he do, he's done it so brilliantly because he's obviously still deeply grieving, but he's obviously moved on in terms of a relationship. His children still struggle and his new partner still talks about the struggle. Grief just doesn't go mm. away overnight. And at every stage, new challenges will present themselves. Exactly. Um, Nina, in terms of when a new partner arrives yeah. on the scene, this is an interesting one. Yes. Yeah. What advice do you have in that regard? Because you've obviously seen what can go wrong. Da, 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 da. You know what's yes. what's the sort of what are the things that are kind of um, happening in that? Yeah, what what sort of happens in that space that could be difficult? Um, yes, you know. Um, nowadays we talk about second marriages. We talk about third marriages sometimes, and you've got a previous children from previous marriage and there is a dilemma you want to make sure that the new spouse is being provided for but you have also need to think about your children um, making a simple will giving everything to your new spouse might not help your um, second spouse as soon as you die might change your will the will and just get the kids out i'm not saying everybody does it but there is a risk that they might do that they might remarry again um mm. they might have children of their own so on those circumstances we say we can do you a little bit more complex will you can uh, we can cater for both i mean in, in a in a second marriage situation you want to make sure that your new spouse can live in the property so that's until Brilliant. their death there. so we can give them a life interest mm-hmm. or we can give them a right to occupy so they can stay there for the duration of their life on their death your share of the property will go to your children so you secure that the, 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 the children will get something from your estate it can protect again bankruptcy and other other uh, risks associated with it but it can be done. Uh, so it's quite. These are. That's why you do your job because there are lots of complex, very complex situations, and it's important. That yes, important on that, second that marriages good legal to, advice. to see a solicitor. We will put a, a, a good will in place for you to cover both. You know, the spouse, the new spouse that you might love very much. Um, so he or she is looked after, but your children also will get. You know what. Your estate. What? What's really yours? Well, Shelley, I'll be putting in my new will that I'll be forming with um, <laughs> Nina. <laughs> that that um, if it, on the event of my premature, if I you know die prematurely, that my children can be supported by grief encounter because my husband wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> so that would be good. I can signpost. <laughs> so listen, um, Dr. Shelley Gilbert, thank you so much for joining us all the way from the states for this show tonight, and it's been just lovely connecting with you and hearing you know just about all the work that you do and how how Grief Encounter can support families. So thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you, Dr. Cathy, for the space. It's really appreciated. A very difficult subject. Thank you. Mm. Okay, take care. Bye. 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 So, Nina, we've got uh, probably about four minutes left. Lovely. Is there anything (laughs) I have not asked you that we really (laughs) need to cover? I mean, as I say, our work is so diverse and it can be quite complex, so I can't cover it in, you know, 35, 40 minutes. Thank you for giving me the time because I think this is really good for people to know. But I'll summarise, you know, two more important things in relation to um, when I said, why do you need to make a will? And sometimes can be hate. Hate is a strong word, but you, you know, you, you need to make sure that somebody you don't 
like or it can be a sister you haven't seen for 30 years can be uh, you know uh, somebody that has upset you very much but by law they will get it um, so in the case of say where you're separated from your husband that you don't like but yes, he strolls in after you die and absolutely. decides to take everything so uh, as I say yes um, I started with, with a sibling but especially in a divorce or, or separation you have to make sure that you change the will and the, the important thing to remember with a divorce is that there is a time between the separation you had an argument with your husband or wife they have left the, pro- the, the house and you're really up, upset um, the first thing you do you change the will you don't wait for the divorce to come through that will take you know months and months and months what happened if you die in the middle the decree absolute it's not the decree absolute is the document that they would revoke the gifts to him or her but if you die in between so between you separating and divorcing your hated spouse um, will get it all right so to anyone out there who's listening who's getting divorced and really doesn't Please. like their ex-partner you need to make a will yes <laughs> That's important. The other <laughs> thing you have to remember, it's marriage. So that's a nice thing. You know, you are very excited. You are getting married. On the day you say, I do, that the will that you had is revoked. <gasps> so you've got no will in place. Goodness we can me. resolve it. You know, you can make a will in contemplation of marriage. Um, and that then will not happen. But marriage will revoke the wills um so after the date of marriage you have got no will and you really need to do one or you do one in contemplation of marriage but oh, that, this, this it's is so good that we have you down the road you're down the road oh, there, for me. there I'm are be some sad me. things we'll discuss tonight you know uh, i uh, hopefully this was helpful um, it's brilliant how can people who's, who are listening get in touch mm. with you um, they can get in touch via you of course um, send any questions you have and we've got an office in in Harpenden so we are in Harpenden High Street um, and I am happy to to assist with any questions brilliant um, well thank you Nina for coming on Nina Gura from it, Neves next week it's Valentine's Day on the parent show and actually we're going to be talking about our love of the classical world of Latin and meeting lots of children who love Latin and who love Greek mythology and all the things that go with it so a very special show next week very very far removed from wills and probate and power of attorney so thank you so much to yeah, Nina thank Gura. you for having me thank you and to Dr Shelley Gilbert from Greek encounter so that's all from me enjoy uh, the rest of your evening and always remember that you can catch up on our podcast series on itunes at any point thanks so much good evening neve solicitors are proud to sponsor the parent show the friendly team at neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life visit nevesolicitors.co.uk neve solicitors your complete legal solution